episode of this series we show i'm your host brandon jones ellen powell is a well-known figure out here in silicon valley where she most recently served as ceo of reddit which has been deemed the front page of the internet before that she was one of the trailblazing uh, female uh, pioneers in terms of the venture capital space here in silicon valley at one of the top vc firms kleiner perkins before that, she had a, a pretty robust history of working at startups and other tech companies. Um, and before that, she uh, had a pretty uh, exceptional academic career, which include, included undergraduate experiences at Princeton and graduate experiences at Harvard Law and Harvard Business School. Um, so now we'll talk about kind of in part one, her upbringing, um, being a first generation immigrant. Uh, how that sculpted her, her viewpoint on life, her academic experiences, her emphasis on STEM. And then we'll walk through some of her academic experiences in preparation for some of the key decisions she made career-wise in the Valley. So hope you enjoy. I have the pleasure of welcoming Miss Ellen Powell to the show. Thank you for being on the show. Ellen. Thank you for inviting me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So Ellen and I have been but largely due to me um, trying to get together for a while now, so it's really it's really special to have you on the show. Uh, most recently, we uh, were involved in a Kamala Harris fundraiser, and it's awesome that she has now been elected to the to the Senate. You have what could be called you know the resume of all resumes um, from an academic perspective, and you know you have to imagine that uh, definitely a level of determination and drive. And I'm sure a lot of this was shaped kind of growing up. So I'd like to start there from the beginning. Um, your early years, um, what were kind of the family dynamics and things that influenced you kind of early on? Yeah, so I was um, definitely influenced by my family. Both of my parents had PhDs in the STEM areas. My dad was a math professor at the Courant Institute at NYU, and my mom got her PhD in computer science at University of Pennsylvania. She was in the first class of women to get computer science PhDs Wow, about long ago. And both of them were very excited about um, science and math and engineering and really encouraged us to, to work hard and study. That's how they got to the U.S. from China. And we enjoyed it ourselves. So uh, I have two sisters and the three of us all went into uh, STEM areas and have been very um, excited to, you know, to be part of the change in the world as technology brings um, great progress. And so where were you raised geographically? Uh, a small town called Maple, New Jersey. It's in um, a part, uh, in a commuter corridor to New York City. So my dad took the train every day and then the PATH train into Manhattan. And, you know, we would go into the city on weekends, but it was a small town, about 20, 25,000 people, uh, very progressive and uh, an easy place to grow up. You were a first-generation immigrant, which just for the just to define what this means, this means you were the first generation that were born here in the U.S. Uh, in your family. Yep, my, you and your sisters. Yep, my parents were both born in China, and they ended up coming here to study. So they both came here for graduate school. And how old were they when they came over? In the early twenties. Early twenties. So just after college for each of them. Okay, and how did that first-generation experience shape how your parents raised you? 
I think it was, um, it, it had a, a big impact because we were always outsiders. So we were a tight family group. And then we had a Chinese community that we were close with. In school, we were always slightly outsiders. You know, we didn't quite wear the right clothes. We weren't quite in tune with like all of the traditions. People were super nice, so it wasn't a huge problem, but there were definitely differences and we we're definitely not mainstream. I think my older sister bore the brunt of it because she was the first, she didn't speak English when she went to school. I mean, it was um, her forging the path for myself and my younger sister. And what's the difference in ages between your siblings? Two years on both sides. So we were all born in October. So it's almost exactly two years. And you're the middle? I'm the middle. Okay. Yes. What what uh, does being a middle child, I'm also a middle child as well, but do you feel, you That's mentioned. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Far too kind. You mentioned your older sister, and I, and I can agree with this. Um, I have a younger sister who's seven years younger, but my older, my older brother was always the one who got the, 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 the bulk of the discipline. You're the oldest. You should have known better if we both got into trouble and did the exact same thing. How did being a middle child kind of shape your, your outlook or your views? I think it's made it easier for me to participate on teams. Like, it's very... I'm collaborative. Like, I want to work with people. I want to bridge gaps. I want to have everybody get along. And that's the dynamic that I had growing up as a middle child, always trying to bridge relationships between my two sisters and... Um, less of a, you know, troublemaker, rabble-rouser, more of a let's all get along. And I think my family was a very supportive family. Like we weren't competitive with each other. We were always trying to help each other out. And it was a good way to grow up. And so STEM obviously was a big part of your, your family. I mean, your parents were, were obviously very, very hardcore in terms of STEM. If you said, hey, I want to pursue dance, and you know, or you know, music or or some philosophy or some kind of liberal arts type of major in, yeah. in school. Was that? Fortunately for me, I was not very talented at musical dance. <laughs> so that was not something I wanted to do, but I don't think my parents would have been that happy. Okay. And they were, you know, they pushed their way out of China to get to the United States. And it was because they studied engineering. This was what got them here to a better life. And they didn't want us to struggle they wanted us to progress. And to them, that was you know, um, engineering, it was medicine, it was law, the very mm-hmm. traditional um, areas for, for building wealthy careers. And so you and your sisters all attended and graduated from Princeton yep. and were all electrical engineering majors? My older sister was computer science. I did electrical engineering and then my younger sister studied molecular biology and she was on the uh, path to medical school. And so what are they what are they doing now? So my older sister had a long career in management consulting um, all over the world and now she's working on nonprofits. So she's uh, now working with a bunch of different educational programs. Okay. And my younger sister has her own company that's a consulting firm to drug companies. Were you the only one that went to law school or business school? My older sister went to business school. My younger sister went to medical school. So she studied and trained to be a pediatric oncologist. And then she decided that that was, um, it, it didn't scale. So she wanted to start working on drug solutions because she thought that could help more people. So let's go back to college. Mm-hmm. 
obviously you're at a top university studying, you know, a very rigorous academic uh, subject. How was your college experience formative from a social perspective for you? I was much more work-oriented. I did a double major, so I majored in electrical engineering, and then I did the Woodrow Wilson School program, which is a certificate in um, public and international affairs. Mm -hmm. And then I also worked on the school newspaper, which was like 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, You're busy. Yeah, so I kept busy, but um, my senior year, like, I finally stopped working on the school newspaper and I started taking advantage of a lot of the different opportunities that Princeton had to offer. So I went to more of the speeches that people came came to give and it was a great experience. Like we had access to so much that I didn't appreciate back then. So you've seen the difference between the experiences of being in law school and being in business school, whereas law school was very... Uh, grades driven, very rigorous, business school kind of, you know, people joke and say that it's more about the social experiences and the relationship building. Would you agree with that assessment? Definitely. It was more about figuring out how things get done. And law school is more about learning about a system. Mm-hmm. So learning the rules and the different processes that govern the legal world is very different than what actually happens in law. And in the business school side, it was much more about here are some stories about people and experiences and what do you think happened? And it was very much tied to what ha- happened in the real world. You went directly from graduating undergrad into law school. Yep. Was your, was your intent at that point to pursue a career as a lawyer? I think so. I don't know that I had like this, I've never had this grand five-year plan or three-year plan even. It's always been what's interest me, interested me at the next step were the people that I wanted to work with. So for law school, I was very curious about this black box of law and what happens when you are in the legal system and this idea of being able to help people. And, you know, I'd met Nick, Nicholas de Katzenbach, who had worked on Brownview Board of Education, and it seemed really um, inspiring. And then I went to law school and then I did some internships and I saw like this is not how the real world law works. So I, I went into law school very idealistic and I came out much less interested in practicing law. And you did an internship at Kerbath? Yes, and I worked there for two years. And you worked there for two years? Yep. Okay. Um, what was that experience like for you? It was fun in many ways and it was hard and I learned a lot, but I went in knowing I didn't want to stay there. It's uh, Somebody called it a factory once, like where you're, you're just so unlikely to make partner. I think we, when I was there, we had a class of maybe 70, 75 people coming in and two of them might make partner. So you go in there and you think, okay, at year five, I'll probably leave and go do something else. For me, I didn't want to practice law at all, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a great way to actually see what really happens with it. And then also to get access to interesting deals. Like if you go and look at the deals. The people who are negotiating on the business side have been at that company for 20 years or they're you know, this experienced 50, 60-year-old business person, but the lawyers are all pretty young because there's just, you get access, somebody needs to do all that work internal right. papers. So I thought of it as a great way to see a bunch of different stuff, to see how deals get done and to see some interesting negotiations. Right. And for the listeners that don't know, Cravath is probably top one or two uh, most prestigious corporate law firms uh, in New York. 
So was your plan going to law school or did you did you always have a consideration of potentially going to business school later? Or did that kind of come up when you said, huh, law is not really for me. Let me position myself to, to explore some other opportunities that, you know, going to B school would make a little bit easier from a pipeline perspective. It was probably my older sister who influenced me to go to business school. I was practicing law in New York and then there was an opportunity to do um, some time in the Hong Kong office for Cravath, and I thought that was an awesome opportunity, and it was. I got to work with a bunch of different countries, a bunch of different people. It was a smaller office, so I was able to run transactions on my own. Um, But at the end of a year, I was ready to leave, and I wanted to get back into tech. So this was 99, it was around uh, 96, I guess, and it was a tech boom. Netscape had gone public. There was all this technology going on. And I had been out of it for a couple of years. Mm. I'd, for five years, I guess. I'd been to law school. I had practiced law. I was in Hong Kong. I didn't know what was going on. My sister said, go to business school. You'll build your network. You'll figure out what's going Recalibrate on. Recalibrate a little bit. Yeah. And it will help you transition. So um, luckily, I got accepted. I went. And it helped me transition into the tech world. Business school. Yeah. Let's talk about business school. Yep. Um, where'd you go to business school? I went back to Harvard. Okay. So at this point, you have been surrounded by pretty much the best of the best, both undergrad, law, practicing, back to business school. How did you change the way you approached business school versus the, the previous academic experiences? I wasn't very thoughtful about it. Okay. So I should have probably been more strategic. I should have probably mapped out a strategy around networking and plugging into the tech people who are at um, Harvard Business School. I was interested in learning about leadership, learning about working with people in, um, I was still, you know, I had just come in from Hong Kong, so I plugged into a bunch of folks who were from Asia, and that probably wasn't super strategic because I was coming to California. So for me, it was more like, I had worked really hard for five years, and I was ready to um, learn a little bit more, but it was much easier. It was less strenuous. You could decompress just a little bit. Yeah, and and just meet different people. It was an amazing experience to have all these people who had these really interesting work experiences. There's a guy who was you know, part of this toy manufacturing company in China, so... And there, you know, there were people who had done these really interesting things that were so different from my life, and so different from like the very, you know, high-powered transactions that are not things that you would see every day. But really, you don't get to see what the actual businesses are like. And here now, you've got people who have actually built things and done things that are um, much more tangible and much more relatable to something that I could end up doing. You reflect back on your business school experience. What are like, what are some of the biggest kind of things that stand out in your mind as far as what you took from that? There are a few things that were really impactful. I think the one thing that was really mind-blowing for me is something that you know, um, my professor in my first year leadership class said to us, and it, she was this really impressive woman. She commanded the class. She ran a really great class. She made everything really interesting. And it was a softish class, like leadership. It's not, You're not dealing with numbers. You're not dealing with operations. It's very, it could be, you know, hard to manage. But she made that class fascinating. Everybody was on it. It was a great professor. 
And she said one day towards the end of the um, semester that she was actually terrified to come up and lead the class every day. Wow. She was a very severe introvert, and that's why every day before class she took like a minute and a half where she wouldn't talk to anybody to just pull herself together to lead the class. And that, for me, was mind-blowing. Like the idea that this woman who came across as so impressive and so in command was actually an introvert and like nervous every day uh, really kind of shaped how I thought about, you know, what was I seeing in people and what could I do myself? And so the internship between your first and second year of business school, how'd you spend that time? I went, you're dragging, wait, <laughs> I went to um, Bain and Company in San Francisco to their tech practice. So I came, it was my first time working in California and I spent the summer out here. It was a great group of people. They had a great internship program because they had people from schools all over the place. Um, and they had a great program where you got to work on actual projects and you had projects that would last during the summer so you could actually see the outcome of your work. It was a good program. I like the people and I like the work. It was good. And you're an intentional, very intentional about getting into tech, coming out to the West Coast. In that situation, it sounded like you just kind of wanted to get a feel for a little bit of, of a feel for you know what was going on. Coming out, what was your what was your decided path um, coming out of business school? Always, I've been focused on learning. So with going to Bain, it was uh, all right. I'd be able to see people who are working with a bunch of different companies, and I'd be able to learn about what types of companies were out there. Mm-hmm. And then I came out after business school and joined Web TV because it had. A hardware component. What is Web TV for the for the folks oh, that are that young. aren't familiar of the Probably weren't born yet? Right, the the first boom. So it was the it was this you know they called it a set top box. So it was a box like a I don't even know if people know like DVR or um, or you know videotape, but it was a physical box where you would get it had a modem, it had you know access to the internet, and it connected with your TV set. So way back when computers were on the desktop, they were just starting to get laptops, but it was mostly work-oriented. And web TV was going to transform it into a living room experience so you could browse on your TV set when you came home and it was going to be a you know shared experience with other people in your family and it was going to be educational and entertainment-oriented, but not tied to your workplace. In a lot of ways, very close to what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. With these smart TVs. Yeah, it, was, um, it took a different path, and also with your phone, right? So your phone lets you browse the internet anywhere and watch video anywhere and connects it to. With web TV, I came out, and it was an opportunity to work on something that was hardware-oriented, that was tied to the internet, that had software involved, because I, at that point, still didn't know exactly what I was interested in. Between the hardware and software? Yeah. Okay. And this was 98-ish? This was 98. And you came out in a business development role. Yes, Asia business development. So I had had the Asian experience as a lawyer, and I was a little bit pigeonholed into doing business development because I had the legal skills. Which, which is interesting because you really parlayed your understanding of China with tech, which basically is, a, is a, I would imagine, like a pretty coveted skill set. You spoke the language you had legal experience, you understood the, the regulations, which I, don't, yeah, I assume made you pretty valuable to them. The BD role itself is a, it seems to be to most people, a very extroverted type role. Um, up to this point, you seem to be a little bit more focused on 
the elements of kind of doing a good job, working hard. I imagine in a BD role, you know, one of the dynamics of having to step out and be kind of extroverted. How did you, how did that kind of come to be? Or is that even a right assumption to make about the role, the nature of the role? It's very people-oriented. So you're building relationships, you're trying to convince people to do things that they probably um, have to be convinced to do. And, but it was, um, it was easier because I was going as part of WebTV, which had an established brand. And it, after I joined, around the same time I joined, it got acquired by Microsoft. So you had the Microsoft business card, which made it a lot easier to get in the door. And once you could get in the door, you could, um, really have those conversations and it was a lot easier. So it wasn't that big of a jump for me, but it was a, a different experience than, um, than kind of being in the background all the time. Or being a lawyer who's sitting reviewing contracts and agreements to yeah. now being kind of, you know, engaging and literally your job is having these conversations and negotiations, et cetera. Yeah, and to drive a conversation. To drive the conversation. Yeah. And, um, what did you take from that experience? You were there for a couple of years? I was there for a year. A it year. was, um, oh, what was the biggest thing I took? It was interesting. I could see that there was an element of the Microsoft culture, which isn't there so much anymore, but that was very effective around like people resolving disagreements and being focused on the bigger vision for the company. And it was also at web TV to a certain extent, like there were like rules, like three things, three um, important values at web TV and Microsoft had the one value, which was a PC on every desktop. Mm. And it was transformed into like getting you access to, um, you know, I can't remember, it was like Microsoft wanted to be on every device everywhere all the time. So that was the transformation that was going through at while I was there as part of Web TV, and that this idea that you know people would get together, they would look at that mission, and then figure out like who was right in who was closer to getting that mission accomplished, and you would make a decision based on what was right for the company. And if you couldn't agree between the two of you, you would escalate until it came to a, a decision point that was in your, the chain of command of both of the people. And once that that decision came down, people would just roll with it. And there was not a lot of, um, not a ton of emotion, not a lot of um, personal disputes around it. It was much more about like, let's figure out what the right answer is. Let's talk about the landscape right now. This is kind of the first boom, the first internet boom, so to speak. Uh, I think things start to go a little bit awry around 2000, 2001, where people going out to Silicon Valley in droves, kind of chasing the idea of these, uh, you know, not get rich quick uh, online companies, but kind of what was, the, what was the landscape at that point within Silicon Valley? It was much more tech oriented than money oriented. Okay. So people were coming out like me who were really excited about technology, and all of a sudden you saw this potential. For a long time, technology had been kind of slow, like you had the development of the transistor, and then you had the, this hardware development, and all of a sudden there's this huge boom around software and the internet, and people were connected, and they were communicating in different ways, and they were getting information from all these different sources, and it was a completely transformative experience for people, and I think that was what drew a lot of people out to Silicon Valley, and it was harder to do tech back then. Most people had 
you know, either hacked on computers or had gone to study computer science or electrical engineering. It was much more, um, it was much more technical back then. You didn't have as much around marketing. You didn't have as much around. A- AWS wasn't, AWS wasn't, wasn't around. There. You didn't have the app store. You didn't right. have the iPhone. Right. It was a much more. It was um, a serious endeavor, like a really, really yeah. serious resource intensive endeavor to, to, to spin up yeah. uh, a tech company. So I know ultimately you, you made your way along the way to BEA, which is more yeah. of a um, enterprise company. Was there some stops in between or? Yeah, I worked at a bunch of startups. So I went to Tell Me Networks. So when I joined WebTV, it was a startup that had, it was a little bit later stage, it had about 400 people, but then it got acquired by Microsoft. So I hadn't had that true startup experience. The first year was, um, it wasn't as Microsoft oriented, but it was still, you had the resources, you had the Microsoft business card. I went to join Tell Me Networks, which um, was kind of an interesting path. There was a guy that I had interviewed with at, Link Exchange, which had just been acquired by Microsoft, and I was looking at an internal transfer, and all of a sudden he left to join Telme. And I thought he was interesting. I liked the Link Exchange business model, but I thought he was somebody I would be interested in working for. When he joined Telme, he was like, hey, I'm not hiring for this role anymore. And I was like, okay, then I don't want it, um, but I want to like talk to you again once you're ready to hire. So when they were ready to hire, I ended up joining, and it was a really small startup. I think there were about 20 people. It was hardcore people from the browser industry, mostly Netscape and Internet Explorer employees. And it was a, it was just a very cool group of people. Like The engineering team had six people when I joined. Two were black men. One was an Asian woman out of six. Mm-hmm. So it was a super diverse group of people. Um, it was an interesting time. And they were looking to bring the browser to voice so that you could call your phone, and it was Siri or right. Alexa, right. but right. in 99. So that was an awesome experience. They ended up switching into enterprise um, because the consumer business was really hard, and I said, no, I really want to be a consumer person. So I ended up um, leaving and joining a bunch of startups as a consultant. So I worked at my CFO, I don't know mm-hmm. remember Jim Clark, yep. where it was basically a quarterback for all your finances, on in one portal, and then I worked at um, some Danger Research. That was Andy Rubin's company. So he was just starting to figure out how to make the phone into a consumer device. This is pre-Android. This is pre-Android. So wow. this was where, like, the phone, the coolest phone at that point was the BlackBerry. So people were doing email, and Andy had this idea that you could do chat and you could have images and you could do a lot more with it then just use it for your office email. And that became the sidekick, which became one of the first. You were always like one step ahead of these big, these big trends and these big ideas uh, when you were getting started. Yeah, well, everything was like new. Right. It was a green field for everything. Right. So so it wasn't that I was so pre I can't remember how to say that. Um, I had such great foresight or I knew exactly what was going to go on, but it was like, it was a greenfield, so everything was exciting. so much interesting work to, to do. Yeah, across and the so board. much opportunity. Um, Wait, let me let me stop you really quickly because I want to double click on a couple of things you mentioned. Um, the first is you mentioned that you wanted to stay consumer. Ultimately, you made your way over to enterprise. Yeah, I, I learned a couple of lessons. Consumer is hard. You have to do. You have to market it. You have to get out to the right user groups. 
you know, and get out to the audience and it was hard. And then I learned enterprise is even harder. So, right. Because you have to sell into these large organizations which have long cycles. And it's people making decisions. Again, it's not as methodical as you think. And the incentives aren't necessarily aligned. So what's best for the business may not be what's best for some individual making a decision who's looking to get promoted or whatever the case may right. be. Right, or not get fired. Right, in most cases. exactly. So at that point, we'll get into the enterprise world later, but you re- you thought consumer was hard, let me do enterprise. You, you later found out the enterprise was even harder than consumer, but that's what drove your, your decision, at least initially, to, to focus on enterprise. Yes, and it was okay. a it was an interesting company. There were some great people there. there was, I had a friend who would work there, and he, he had really enjoyed it. Um, it was an interesting team. You can do more business development at a bigger company, so that was something that was driving my decision. Um, and I wanted to do, go back to doing some bigger transactions. And that concludes part one of the Ellen Powell episode of the Series B show. In part two, you should tune in because Ellen starts to discuss uh, her setting up an arrangement to consult with startups and how she structured those arrangements as far as comp, um, expectations, equity, etc. Um, she also discusses her philosophy around following talented people in her network, how she evaluates uh, future opportunities and roles that she may take on, uh, her being confronted with the opportunity of a lifetime to be the right-hand woman, so to speak, to John Doerr, who um, led the most prestigious firm in the Valley at that time, Kleiner Perkins, um, and also her experiences being in that role after getting in and feeling like she was an outsider uh, in a very clubby circle and how that's framed her, her current perspective on what needs to change in the Valley. So really good episode. I uh, hope you tune in.